everybody. Welcome to the Business Line Podcast. Can't wait to share today's episode with you. We're your hosts, Brian and... Yeah, I'm Manny. And today we've got a great guest, Manny. Tell us, start to tell us about who we've got on today. Yeah, so today we have Brandon Brownham, who has like almost 11,000 LinkedIn followers. He's a CEO of HOA, also a author of a best-selling book called Raving Referrals. And in fact, it's called The King of Referrals. The king of, uh, no one's ever called me the king of anything. He's an award-winning <laughs> serial entrepreneur, coach, consultant, speaker, trainer, and workshop leader. He's a highly sought-after expert in the realm of referrals, marketing, sales, joint ventures, business development, and business growth strategies. In 1997, he became a single dad. He didn't struggle for long because he went from making $20,000 a year to over $200,000 a year in less than 18 months. Yeah. Can't wait to hear about that story. Brandon's closed to, the, to date over $500 million in transactions simply by referral. So um, referrals are powerful. I can't wait to learn about how he does it. In fact, you know, like I would like to add one more thing. Through this, you know, like his referral platforms. Yeah. He has connected more than 5 million members in over 195 countries. So absolutely, he's the king yeah, of that's referrals. that's a big deal. Yeah, I don't know anybody who's done that. So let's bring him on. Brandon, how are you doing today? countries. Come what? on. 195 countries. I know. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of countries. Yeah. All right. Brandon, thanks for joining us, bud. All right, Brandon, let's get uh, let's get right into it. It is a pleasure to meet you. I'm Brian. This is my I'm good Manny. friend and business partner, Manny. <laughs> um, and we can't wait to, to learn a little bit more about your story, learn about what you're doing these days, how you got there, the highs, the lows. Um, so, Manny, let's just have him get right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the CEO of HOA.com. We created a, a platform for homeowners and the professionals who serve them. Besides that, I'm a a happily married man, got three kids, empty nesters, and so <laughs> love long walks on the beach and scuba diving, all that fun stuff. <laughs> all right. So how'd you get to where you are now? Tell us the rags to riches story. Where what where'd you get started? Yeah, just bring us along the path. Yeah, man, rags to riches is right. I, I grew up as a kid on food stamps and you know, my mom was never focused on making money, so never had that model or mentorship of of wealth creation, but um, in college, I found out that uh, you don't have to be married to have a kid. So I had a kid in college, <laughs> and by the age of uh, 24, I was a single dad. And I was making about 20000 a year at the time, and it wasn't enough to pay for the mortgage. I bought a house and also pay for daycare. And so I started bouncing my mortgage checks. I'm like, okay, I got to make a change. So I ended up getting in the mortgage business and had somebody mentor me in the art and science of what I now call raving referrals. And was able to 10x my income from 20,000 to 200,000 a year in 18 months. And so ever since then, I've just been on a quest to help as many other people as possible build their business by referral. Very cool. So tell us about the, tell us about the early days. So you got out of, where'd you go to school? Uh, Portland State University. Portland State. Cool. So West Coast, uh, yeah. Northwest. So you get out of Portland State and you got a job, you're making about 20 grand a year. You've got You've got a kiddo. Um, that's that's got to be, you know, some responsibility, some stress right there. So, how did you? How did you? How long did it take you to break out of that mentality that that was it? That you were going to be, you know, you know, getting up, making the donuts, proverbial, you know, every day, and then uh, taking care of your your young one, and then going to bed and doing the same thing over and over again, uh, not necessarily thinking that there's something better out there. When did you come to the realization that you could do more? Well, as soon as I got custody, as soon as I got the call saying that, you know, his mom was strung out on drugs and I needed mm. to step in, step up and take over, 
it was instant shock. Uh, my wife and I have been together for 30 years now. My son's 31. So she was with me at the time, even wow. though we weren't engaged or married. I mean, we lived separately. She had her apartment. I, I owned my own house. Uh, but it was instant shock, man. I mean, anybody that's a single parent, they they know the struggle and what it's like. But at that point, you got to step up and you got to, it's more, it's not just about you anymore, right? And when you're in your 20s, most people are pretty self-absorbed. I was still pretty self-absorbed, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but you just got to go do more and, and you got to figure out a way. And that's just the, the American way. That, that's humanity. You got to find a way. So necessity is uh, the mother of invention. And it forced me to leave the job that I was at and go find other options. So, Brandon, I mean, you said like, okay, you got custody of your kid and you got, you know, kid pretty early in your life. So how old were you, you know, like when you had your kid and at what age did you get the custody and how old was your kid? Yeah, I was 22 when he was born. I was wow. 24 when I got custody. So he was two years old at the time. Wow. So with a two-year-old and at that time you were, you thought like, okay, I'm not making enough. And then you wanted to change your life with a two-year-old. How difficult was that? Oh, it was super challenging at the time, right? Because I, I started bouncing my mortgage check because I couldn't pay for childcare. So I actually got my boss at the existing company I was at to lay me off so that I could get unemployment for six mm -hmm. months. And, and I had him there and I was chasing the entrepreneurial dream. And, you know, I was taking care of a two-year-old while working the phones and trying to make things happen. So it was, it was a huge challenge and not just at the early stage, but all throughout, because then my now wife and I got married when my son was five. He was actually my best man at our wedding. Okay. And then we had kids of our own. And so now merging in my son with our new you know, babies, basically, mm -hmm. it was a big challenge. But again, you go through whatever life gives you and you make the best out of it. So, you know, like I'm reading here something like that, you know, like you turned your 20k annually to 200k within 18 months how did that happen i mean you know like what were you doing you know like that's a huge step right and with the two-year-old kid that you have to take care of and you're trying to you know become an entrepreneur i mean what kicked in you know like what what was your light bulb moment you know yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I got into the mortgage business. That was the game changer. And I had somebody that mentored me and they, and I really just started asking for, you know, people like, what's your secret to success? And I asked as many people as would listen to me. I'd take people out to coffee or lunch and just the, the people that were at the top that were at the place that I wanted to be. And mm -hmm. I said, what's, what's your secret to success? So I asked, I don't know, 25, 30 people the answers, and I kept hearing the same things, right? They all said the same things, which is that their business all came by referral and it all came from people that served homeowners every day. So I just followed the steps of my mentor and other people that have been success in the, in the industry. And one thing that I did that was really different at the time, this was 1997, so a few years ago, is I had learned in business school that you want to go find a need and fill a need. And at that point, real estate companies weren't all online. And even the ones that were online didn't have their listings online. Or if they did have a listing, maybe they'd have one exterior photo. And I said, this is silly. I, I see where the puck is going. People want to sit at home, sit in their underwear and be able to shop for homes. Well, now we do it all the time, right? But this was before Zillow was invented and Realtor.com and all the others. 
But that's what I did. I created an online home buyer guide in Portland, Oregon. And I went around to realtors that had properties that were listed. And I looked for homes on busy streets. And the reason I did that is I knew that if I could list that home on my website and I could put a writer sign on the bottom of their for sale sign that said, view this home at pdxhome.com, then I could start to siphon off some of that traffic and capture those buyers and then refer them over to the realtors I was working with. And so that's what I did. And it allowed me to add value that was different than every other mortgage lender was having. I changed the conversation. I wasn't talking to them about you know, the best rates and loans and, and lowest fees. Yeah. That's the same conversation everyone else was having. So the epiphany for me that I would pass on as a learning point is find a way to add value that other people aren't doing. Find a way to have a conversation about your business, business position it differently than everyone else, or you're going to be seen as a commodity. But if you've got a way to really add value to people that can add value to you, that's where you win big. Yeah, that's, Manny, that's what I talked about. Remember when I came back a few weeks ago from Academy, you know, in, in the IT managed service, which is part of what we do, it's one of the things we do, is the normal things are the permissions to play. It's what everybody's doing. So everybody talks about what we talk about is, oh, we have great, you know, we have a great turnaround time or we have a great, you know, response time or we have great backups or we have great, but it, everybody does. And when right. we say that, you're just sounding like everybody. But when you start to talk about where your added value is that, that they're not talking yeah, about, you filling in those gaps, yep. right? Yeah. I mean, that's what you did differently. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Take us from there. So you're, you're at the point, you're in the mortgage build business now. You, you've turned your life around. You've done something new. You've got some people around you mentoring you. You started to do what they did, seeing, you know, seeing better results. What next? What happened next? Yeah, I rode that train for a long time. So I was in the mortgage business for 12 years. Now, it was five years before I started my own company. And then I started my own mortgage brokerage and I built it up. I had multiple locations and I had about 30 loan officers working for me. And then the financial crisis of 2008 hit. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I decided that wasn't the business I wanted to be in. The, the banks were making the mortgage brokers the scapegoats, even though they were the ones that created the loan programs that people yeah. were funding. Um, so I went back to technology. I had built technology utterly and I love technology. And so for the last 13 years, I've been building tech platforms to help people win more business. And so, you know, I'm on a, a major mission to help everyone boost what, again, what we call raving referrals yeah. and referral partnerships. What we teach is the referral partner blueprint. And it's all about partnering with people who are serving your perfect prospects every day and adding value to them and helping them solve their client challenges. And that's probably what you guys are doing with your business, right? You've got some specific people and companies that you work with where they bring you in because you save the day. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And so when, when we were learning a little bit about you leading up to today, um, Brandon, you know, one of the things that stood out to me is that M Manny and I talk about it all the time. You know, a lot of our success at our company was via referral. You know, we're, we're playing all the other marketing and, and sales games too, but you know, our biggest clients right now grew out of referrals, sometimes first, second and third party referrals, you know, it just right. kept chaining. And how, you know, and, and figuring out how do you, because a lot of folks, they say, well, that's great, but how do you turn that into a process? How do you systematize that? Absolutely. And, 
it sounds like that's what you've done. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Well, everybody should be should have a referral system in their business. You're in the B two B space, right? Eighty four percent of business to business sales are made by a referral because when somebody is referred to you, they trust you higher, right? They trust right. you more. They're willing to spend more money because of that trust factor. So anybody that's in B2B sales, quite frankly, in my opinion, everybody should be working by referral. It's the only way to go. People are 400% more likely to hire you when you're referred to them. And oh, yeah. so that's what worked for me. That's what worked for pretty much everybody I know. There's people that are buying cold leads or cold traffic or doing cold calls Man, that just seems like a lot of work and it's not so much fun. When people are introduced to you and they hear a success story of uh, either an existing client or a professional that says, you know, you've got to go work with these guys. The trust factor is huge. The credibility and the expertise is established from the get-go and you win more business and you make more money. Yeah, I mean, I firmly believe in that. A happy client stocks, you know, right? Yep. You know, wherever they're going, if they're happy about the services that they're getting, you know, like in their connections, you know, when they're having meetings and all that, they talk. So, yeah. So, Brandon, you know, currently you're working as a, C, I mean, HOA.com. So, HOA.com is your own company. And I see another company called uh, the Champions Institute. Yep. So, what is HOA about and what is this Champions Institute? Yeah, so HOA.com is an ecosystem really for homeowners and the professionals who serve them. We're on a mission because we have the domain HOA.com. We're on a mission to revolutionize homeowner associations. Hmm. Here in the U.S., 53% of all homeowners live in an HOA, but most don't love their HOA. No, they're the ones that say you can't do stuff in your yard or you can't do stuff here. Like you go to look at houses. My wife and I are like, is there an HOA? All right, yeah. show it to us. What do you and like? We have four kids. You t- we can't put a trampoline in our backyard. All wow. right, moving on. You know what I mean? It's like, what difference Crazy. does it make? Right. Anyway, Crazy. sorry. Yeah. So no, it's okay. okay. I tell you what. I I introduce myself. I tell people I'm the CEO of HOA.com, and immediately I get an HOA horror story every <laughs> single time. So we're on a mission to change that. We believe that in five years people will love their HOAs. We got a ton of work to do. We're yeah. doing community surveys to determine how the homeowners feel about their HOA board and then report that back so we can identify opportunities for improvement. But we're champions for homeowners. And so we connect homeowners to professionals they can trust, and we provide community impact events to really create close-knit communities. And so uh, the way that we monetize is professionals join our referral network. They become what's called a certified pro. And this could be a realtor, mortgage, insurance, painter, plumber, HVAC, anybody who serves homeowners as their primary industry. They join our referral network, they create a profile, and then they invite their trusted team, their trusted professionals that they want to build their business with. And then we've got an automated co-marketing engine. Because one of the challenges that I see when it comes to referrals is that people will say, oh, you're awesome. I'm going to send you business. But they don't really create a plan of action that cross promotes their clients to their referral partners. So we automate that whole process in the HOA.com platform. Okay. Okay, and you know, like another thing that I read about you, you are called like the king of referrals. So <laughs> the king of referrals. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah. a pretty in- interesting, you know, like statement. So how did that happen? You know, like 
Yeah, so I mean, it happened. Number one, I did over five hundred million dollars in transactions by referrals um, early on in my career. Since then, I've partnered with some major, massive companies and brands. And you know, honestly, I do some of these podcasts, and somebody wrote a, a magazine article about me and called me the king of referrals, and it's just stuck ever since. It's stuck. So here's here's the thing. So I'm. We're gonna buy your book. We're gonna we're gonna read up on your on your processes and just through your certainty on this podcast, I believe you, right? Okay. So, but so just so we're we're started. We're getting started. Give us the high level. What should we be doing to systematize our referral internal referrals to to grow our business? Yeah. So, a couple of big things here. Number one, you want to automate the ask. Too few people actually ask for referrals, so. Let's talk about automating the ask and let's talk about the art of the ask. And we'll we'll start with the art of the ask. When you've got a new client that comes on board with you, one of the first things you want to do before you let them leave that onboarding meeting is say, hey, by the way, uh, I'd like to ask you for a favor. Would that be okay? Everyone will either say yes or maybe tell me more, right? And then what you say is, we are so committed to wowing our clients with amazing service and support that we promise you, you're going to love our program, our solutions, what we provide. And what I'd like to ask is that once we've wowed you and proven ourselves, would it be okay if we ask you for referrals at a later date? That's called setting the stage. Okay. So there's three steps. Step one is setting the stage. You're not putting them on the spot now. You're basically just saying, look, we're going to do an awesome job. And when we do, We'd like to earn the right to ask you for a referral at a later date. Would that be okay? Everyone says yes to that. So that's setting the stage. Next thing, step two, is listening for the referral triggers. Now, referral trigger could be, oh, man, this is amazing. You guys have helped me save so much money, save so much time, uh, make so much money, uh, be more productive, lose weight, whatever it is that you provide in your business, whatever your solution is. You want to listen for their success story, for their thank you, for their wow moment. And you should engineer that in your business, by the way. And if if you're not hearing it, you can ask them just, hey, by the way, quick question, on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you with the service we're providing? Well, if they say an eight, nine, or 10, you want to say eight or nine, you want to say, well, what would make it a 10? Yeah. <laughs> and if it's an eight or better, say, I'm so glad to hear that. Remember at the beginning, I said we were going to yeah. ask yeah. you for referrals once we've proven ourselves. And then step three is you got to ask them. You got to ASK to GET and ask for the referrals. Okay. You need to know what type of client you're looking for. You need to describe that. So in their mind, they've got a picture of somebody that they know that needs your help that they can refer you right on the spot. And what, what's interesting is when you set the stage, sometimes you're going to get referrals right there in that moment because they're going to be like, oh, you know, now that you mention it, I worked with Bob or Bob, Bob runs IT over at this company. He was just telling me he needs a solution like yours. So let me connect you. Okay. So by planting the seed early on and then asking them how they feel about your service, you're going to create more referrals from your existing clients. And that should be your number one source. Okay. So that's setting the stage. Any questions on that? Uh, uh, of the art of the ask before we move to automating the ask? 
No, I, I mean, this. I'm just, I'm envisioning that. it because I'm real heavy into training a new person here at our company we brought in to do outside sales. So we have a whole process nice. from, you know, getting them from the lead to the initial appointment to discovery to presenting to whatever. Really nice. But I'm just envisioning right there at the end of the close when you get somebody to commit. All right, fantastic. We're going to do a great job for you. You are going to be blown away. But right here and right now, when that time does come, uh, would you be okay if I came back to you and asked for Yeah, I love referral? it like for two reasons. You know, like first of all, you are, you know, telling the client that you're so confident about your services. And the second second thing is, you know, you are aggressive, but not at the same time. You're not being rude. Yeah, rude. Yeah. Yeah, I love this so approach. It, and it's still a win-win yeah. because you're going to be floored with our service mm -hmm. and we're going to win because you're going to want to tell us yeah. about the other people. Wow. You know. Okay, moving no, on to automating. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing I'd say before you even get there, when you've got that new client, start with a wow moment from the get go. You know, one of the things that we do, we use automation. So we send out a new member welcome kit with their name on the card, mm. with their name on a mug. Right. So we actually send them a mug where their name is on the mug with a quote about community and how important it is. And then we send them a certificate, right? That they can hang in their place of business to show that they've achieved that expert status. We invest about $25 for every new pro that comes on board. And that way that's the start of their experience. Now we're an online digital platform. How many online digital platforms are you getting swag in the mail? Well, that's just it. So we do what we do is we do what I call a shock and awe box. When we get a new when we get a new meeting booked for a lead that qualifies, we do a shock and awe. So we've got a we've got a personalized Panacea Smart Solutions box or a Panatech box, depending on the the lead. We send that to them. It's got all kinds of fun stuff in it. So when our person arrives there to have that meeting, that box is open on their desk, and they're usually drinking coffee out of the mug or the tumbler or whatever. Yeah, they're happy, right. right? It's it's awesome. And That's then, fantastic. but I love this other step of the personalized nature of once they're on between, between the commitment and the initial onboarding meeting, they get a personalized box of things that oh, that's, that's great. Yep, I love that. And also think about your referral partners, the people that are sending you business. And I had to learn this the hard way. I had a VP of Intel when I had my mortgage company, I had this VP of Intel, great client. He'd done multiple loans with me, but he calls me up one day and he said, hey, I just want to ask you how to go with Mike Smith, right? And I said, oh, it's awesome, man. We just closed on his loan a few weeks ago. And then the phone went dead silent. Uh -oh. And he says, would you like a little coaching? I said, yeah, of course. I'm, you know, feedback is a breakfast of champions. I love some. He says, number one, when somebody refers you, it's a really good idea to thank them. I just felt like the biggest idiot. I'm like, yeah. I hadn't even sent the guy a thank you card. Yeah. He said, number two, it's a really good idea to update them as to what's going on with the client they referred. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So those are two of the referral best practices that I had to learn the hard way by failing on. But at that point, I had my own mortgage company. I, I printed up referral thank you cards. And then I told all my loan officers, anytime you get a new referral, first thing you do is you fill out this card and you mail it to the person who gave it to you. And that way you're thanking them and you're recognizing them. So, you know, think about what you're doing right now. You know, client for you is probably worth a considerable sum. You know, you, you send them your referral partner, a shock and awe bag, right? Or basket or mm -hmm. swag bag just to recognize and to thank them for the referral they gave you. Yeah, 
I think we could do something like one of the like maybe send them some swag that's you know one of the things I'm doing for our our guests on the show is uh, everybody's getting a, a personalized you know panacea sweatshirt with their name on the back and stuff like that like they're a member of the podcast team and uh, that could be something we could do for those referral partners too we could send them like a a hoodie because for being on the team that's that's a great idea i love it absolutely and and build that into your process so now we're talking about automating right what can you automate in your process well automating the ask is as simple as integrating into your proposals your invoices your your email signature you know, the greatest gift you can give us is a referral or whatever the language that's right for your business. But that way, when you think about it, some of these companies that are listening probably have multiple people, multiple departments, and they're not necessarily front facing. They're not necessarily client service minded mm-hmm. or sales minded, right? Where they're thinking about how do we bring more clients and customers into the business? Well, when you're automating the ask and all of your automated sequences and documents include that request. Now, suddenly you're able to leverage that ask. Everybody feels comfortable all throughout the process. And in some cases, some people create a referral rewards program. Now, we have a two-level affiliate plan at HOA.com, and that's what we recommend on the regular. Not every industry can do it. Some have restrictions. But if you can create an affiliate program and now you can incentivize and and reward people financially for sending you business, you get some people seriously committed to helping you grow your company. Yeah, I think that's key. We've we've dabbled in that a bit. We've yeah. got some partners yeah, we are, we are trying that, that, that yeah. have, have actually helped us grow through referral that way. But it, it's we got to get better, I think, at putting it into the process, automate it in a way so it's not awkward when we talk about it. Because sometimes it can be a little, oh, did you know? You know, you can earn if you refer us and they sign on and so on and so, so forth. So, hmm. Well, and whether you offer it proactively or retroactively reward people, right? Again, yeah. you can either be covert or you can be overt. I like to yeah. be overt. I like to ask for what I'm looking for. And by having that program, when you know, often when I'm doing podcasts, I'll let people know, hey, by the way, we have this ambassador program. If you go to HOA.com slash win, you can sign up. It's free and you can add some mailbox money to your business. Cool. Very cool. So, uh, Brandon, you were saying that, you know, like you you started your mortgage business and it was doing pretty good and you did that for almost 12 years. And then, you know, like during the COVID era, or no, it was the financial. Oh, financial. The, the financial stuff. Oh eight, oh seven, oh eight, right? Oh, seven, yeah, eight. we wound it down in oh nine. Yep. Oh nine. Oh, okay. Nine. So, so okay. So after that, did you start a new business? Did you get into some other field? I mean, you said like you know you technology. Technology. You like technology. Yeah. So, is that during that time you formed this HOA.com? No. So what happened after I left the mortgage industry, I went and helped. I, I made a two-year commitment to help a company launch and create a humanitarian. It was a personal development training company, but okay. we donated 40% of gross revenue to charities that provided food, water, education, and microloans. So I did that for a two-year stint. And then I helped another entrepreneur uh, create a technology platform around divorce. I gave him a one-year commitment. And then from there, we created trustedteam.com. So this is in 2011 and uh, built that up over a couple of years. That was a referral-based platform. 
And then I partnered with another company. We merged our two companies together to create Refer.com. And Refer.com, again, referral platform for B2C and B2B pros. And we built that up to over 5 million members before we exited in 2019. And that's when we started HOA.com. Okay. Okay. Very cool. I mean, we talked, obviously, big challenge in the beginning of your career when you're getting out of college and you have your son and that's... But in in the journey from there to where you are now, what was what's what's been the maybe the biggest obstacle you had to overcome? Maybe the the lowest point where you really had to dig deep inside and and uh, and find something you may not have known was there. Yeah, well, cash flow. I mean, let's just be real, right? Having employees and team that you got to figure out how you're going to pay them every two weeks was the biggest challenge. Um, the reality is for the last 13 years, I've built technology platforms and not just a software product that I'm selling one at a time, but platforms to bring in, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of users onto a platform. And you've got to invest a lot and build a lot before you've got something to take to market. So we were able to build kind of an MVP, minimum viable product, and put it out to market and generate enough initial buyers that it funded kind of the seed round of the company, if you will. Um, that was in previous platforms with HOA.com. We brought in, you know, just under a million dollars in in capital uh, from partners to fund the company. But I think cash flow is a major issue for any entrepreneur starting up. You got to find people that believe in your dream and you've got to go test the market and find out if are people really willing to pay for the solution that you're providing. Mm, for sure. For sure. Any wild and crazy stories that uh, that stick out in your mind? I always like to ask because people always have the their their individual things that they that happened to them that they couldn't believe happened. Sometimes it's traveling to a business appointment. Sometimes it's closing a big deal that you didn't think was going to be there. Remember, remember a couple episodes ago, remember Marty's like he literally just so we had a, a guest on his name was Marty's in the, the jewelry industry. Him and his wife were building their business. They didn't have anything. They couldn't make rent. You know, they couldn't make their their rent out in L.A. And they sent a they sent a fax out. No, 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 no. They put an ad in a magazine, a jewelry yeah, magazine, with yeah, the rest of their money, and it, it said all they had was a fax number. Fax this if you want to work with someone who knows how to sell jewelry in the American market. And they got a fax one night in the middle of the night from Australia, one of the biggest ones, you know, and it changed their life. Nice. You know what I mean? Anything yeah. like that for you that that. Uh, that's happened that you, that you can kind of hang your hat on sometimes? Yeah, I mean, there's a few, but the one that comes to mind as you're asking that question is we, we started this company called Divorce Shield, and it was a platform to help people that were going through divorce. And when we started the company, we had a vision for it, but we had no platform. We had no money for it. Uh, we had a product, which was basically an ebook. And I saw this ebook. Hmm. It was a, a guy that I sang in church choir with in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> And he said, you know, I really, I've got this heart for helping people go through divorce. Here's the issue. And I've created this solution. And I said, that needs to be a technology platform. And so what what I did is I helped him take his ebook, create a technology platform, and then we localized introduction to the professionals that would help those people that were facing divorce, right? But we didn't know if it would work. I came up with a, a slide deck, a presentation, and we went and pitched it to a real estate broker in Portland, Oregon, where I lived at the time. And that guy did a $165,000 agreement. 
And so I'm Jeez. like, okay, well, I guess we got the cash. I guess there's a, a need in the marketplace. And so we went and, and we built that program. And later on, he introduced me to the CEO of Prudential Home Services. Oh, wow. And within 30 days, we had done a national deal with Prudential where not only did they promote us to all 55,000 realtors around the world, I convinced them to give us their database so we could create profiles for all of their agents. So they gave us their database, including name, phone number, and email address of wow. 55,000 realtors. And that's what helped launch that company. There you go. That's so one of the things I, I recommend is that you ask for what you want. I think that you receive yeah. not because you ask not. And so many people don't ask for what they want because they're afraid of what the other per person's going to think or say. But look, if they say no, you have exactly what you had going in and maybe a little more because now you know more information about your product, your program, your service, or you know whatever it is that you're wanting to do. But what I've been taught and what I've learned is the more that you ask for what you want, the more you're going to get it. Yeah. Ask and you shall receive. Man. Yeah. So I always, yeah. you know, like when we are on meetings with our client, I ask lots of questions and Brian is always, you know, kicking me, you know, like you're going overboard, you're going over. I said the maximum they can say is no. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I do. I always tell them, Manny, not now, not yet, not yet. Okay, now. But yeah, there, there's, there's, but seriously. Though, you need, you right. need some hand signals, bro. You got to right. like adjust your eyes or your glasses, I, pull on your I, beard. He, I don't know if they do yeah, signals he in doing cricket. that, but I don't right. look at him. I got to teach him that. You need to grab your hat. Like you yeah, got to have some these, signals. One of these, pull on my ear, you know, across the chest. No, not that one. Not that you're like, you're like wait a minute. I got to put my, my CEO hat on right now. Right. <laughs> So that's, those are, so we're talking, that's baseball, Manny. You know, baseball, do they do signals in cricket? Mm -hmm. Is there no, is there signals no. or anything? I got to teach you about the signals in baseball. Yeah, they do that, <laughs> you know, like when yeah. they want something, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. no, that, but there's, there is a lot of wisdom in oh, that. Yeah, and, you know, lots of movies, they are doing this, 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 something, you know, like in baseball. But no, back to the asking, you know, like that's one thing that I've learned from Manny is, you know, sometimes I do, I have to tell him, no, this is not the appropriate time to ask for that. But sure. you know, um, sometimes when you don't have a filter to ask for what you want, you end up getting what you didn't think you could get because you asked. So, but you know, we've, we've worked together in those kind of means before, so it's never really come back to bite us yet. So, but he'll say, he say, Brian, I want to ask for this. Should I, I go, well, we're having an IT services meeting. I don't think that we really want to talk about transcription at this point, but we can definitely find a way Come to angle on. that in. I have the brain. You know, like I have a bit of brain, you know, like I know what, what to ask for. Cool. Very cool. All right. So what are we at? We're coming on about 35 minutes here. We got some time. So yeah, let's I have this question, okay, you know, like ahead. about, so Brandon, you know, like, okay, during our conversation, I, I, you know, like what I'm hearing is that, you know, any business that you developed, was based on you know like finding a gap and then filling that gap oh yeah now this HOA thing I'm really intrigued and you know especially interested about I mean I've I've been here in US for the last six seven years I mean I keep coming and going and I have seen lots of HOAs and all that we this is, man. yeah this is something you know like I mean kind of you know new for me I mean do you have any competitors in this field or how did you find that you know there is a gap in this field yeah, you know, what's interesting is we didn't start this company focused on HOAs. We started this company as the homeowneralliance.com. 
And okay. we realized our mission was to connect homeowners to professionals they can trust. We said, okay, what if we could create like BNI power team for professionals who serve homeowners? Because there really isn't a referral network out there connecting professionals who serve homeowners. So number one, we said there's a huge wide open blue marsh, uh, blue ocean there. Nobody's filling that gap that we can see. To this day, that's true four years later. But we started the company as the homeowneralliance.com. And one day I was meeting with my partner. I said, you know, this domain is too long to fit on the side of a bus. It's so freaking long. And there's so many ways people can mistype it. I said, okay, if we could wave our magic wand and have any domain on the planet, what would it be? Homeowner Alliance, HOA. I looked up HOA.com, reached out to the owner. And within about six weeks, we controlled the domain. So that's where things really change. Now, you're asking about HOAs. Is there any competitor out there in the HOA world? Here's the question I ask on stage all the time. If I'm in front of an audience, I ask, how many people live in an HOA? A lot of people raise their hands. How many people love their HOA? Not many people raise their hands. And then I ask this question. What is the number one national brand that you think of when it comes to homeowner associations? And I only get two answers. Any ideas? Any guesses? Nope. I got, I got nothing. I don't know. You got the number one. I don't know. That's the number one yep, answer that we get. And the second answer we get is there isn't any. Yeah. And so when it there's no company that's out there committed to transforming the industry. We think we're the only ones there. There are property management companies. There's 65% of the HOAs in America are managed by a third-party property management company. But you can't think of a brand because they're all localized, maybe regionalized, but they're smaller, sometimes medium-sized companies. But what we're doing is not property management. It is really community engagement and community activation. We haven't seen any company on the planet that's doing that. So your clients are homeowners as well as associations? We serve the homeowners for free. In fact, we give them a free concierge service where we'll take care of everything. Like if they're moving... We'll handle everything for a homeowner that's moving. We'll change their address, set up their utilities, internet, cable, uh, security, anything they want. Get them quotes on insurance, and that is totally free. We don't charge the homeowners anything. Where we monetize is that business owners and professionals who serve homeowners join our referral network. And then they license individual communities because we're creating neighborhood community pages for every neighborhood in America. And then like a BNI chapter, we select one realtor, one mortgage lender, one financial planner, one painter and plumber. So all the different industries, those local pros then really get connected with that community and they show up for events and we retarget them, remarket them to those homeowners so they become famous in those communities that they serve. Wow, that's interesting. So your business, you know, this HOA is all over U.S.? Yes. I mean, so you have clients from all over U.S. and you are finding- All over the U.S., absolutely. Wow. So yeah, we're creating community pages right now. They'll be, all be live by the end of the year for every neighborhood in America. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So, Brandon, when you're not doing this, what are you doing? What do you like to do when you're not working? What do you? What's your downtime? Yeah. You said you like long walks on the beach. Okay, <laughs> I can get yeah. behind that. But what else? 
I never get to the beach. If I'm going to the beach, actually, I want to be scuba diving. That was just something funny to say. Uh, yeah, yeah. So scuba diving is a passion. I love I like going scuba. scuba diving. Okay. That's amazing. Um, but here in town, I mean, I, I love watching football. My, my, I have a 23-year-old son. He's coaching high school football. So, oh, you know, cool. Friday nights, you're going to see me out at Williams Field football games, watching my kid coach and watching the kids play. Um, so football's a passion for mine. I was playing volleyball quite a bit, but I tore my Achilles not too Ooh. long ago and I haven't been out since. Uh, so, but you know, the other thing is I'm a Christian, I'm a believer and we're creating a Christian business alliance and really helping oh, cool. believers in business to work together, to, to grow their companies and, and be able to give more to their churches or charities. That's really cool. So where are you located, Brandon? Where are you, you're, are you still out West? I live in Phoenix, way, but... Arizona now. Okay. We moved okay. down so to Phoenix are... almost 10 years ago. Okay. I had family out in Phoenix for a while, but they moved back home to Wisconsin. Um, they were snowbirds for about 10 or 11 years. But um, Nice. Okay. So... Yeah, it's only originally you're four here today on Halloween. How crazy is that? <laughs> so are you a Northwest kind of football fan, like college and professional teams up there? Or are you are you all localized to the Oh yeah, Arizona man. I'm gonna throw my O for my Oregon Ducks. Your Oregon Ducks, okay. They, and, I got my, and I got my Seahawks gear up here. So they Go just Hawks. beat up on Utah this last weekend, didn't they? Oh, brother, that was embarrassing for those Utes. And though that the, Utah's got a good team. Now, Manny's not following Utah's a good team football, but that's okay. Um, okay, so how about I didn't I didn't hear maybe I just wasn't listening. Uh, professional football. So who's your team there? Seahawks. Ha- Seahawks. Okay, you're a Seahawks yeah. guy. Okay, so it's funny because my in-laws, you know, they've grew up and lived in Wisconsin, so they're Packer fans, tried and true. But yeah. when they moved to Arizona, my father-in-law was always like, "Well, if the Packers aren't playing good, you know, a couple of those years, you know, the the Cardinals were all right." So he would he would fair weather it every once in a while. I love being here in Arizona because the Seahawks come once a year. So we always get a home game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's cool. So Seahawks is from Arizona. No, Seahawks are from uh, Seattle. Seattle. So Washington. Oh, Seattle. So there's Oregon doesn't have a professional football team. But if you're if you follow baseball, Blazer Trailblazers are from from Oregon. So we're we're uh, we're representing the Bucks right now. It's it's basketball season here. Hey, you got D Will. I love it, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Lily's game, playing game really time. well. Yep, that's right. That's he, right. He's a so, stuff. I love the fact that he comes out in his first game for you guys. He scores what thirty nine, I think, thirty nine points, including the final eleven points to win the game by one. Goes yep. perfect eleven for eleven from the line. That's Damian Lillard, man. He's a stud. Yeah, and the whole thing is to take pressure off of Giannis. So he showed he can do that. So that's good. That's real good. So football fan, sports guy, very cool. Well, so you're a football fan. We haven't done this in a couple of weeks. So what we were trying to do is what can we do to teach Manny football? So he's learned to protect the ball, right? So we don't want to fumble. Rock. What's not that? The, not the ball, the rock. The rock, yeah, yeah. protect the rock. Um, another thing is have a good kicker. So we had a guest on and she was like, she's an Eagles fan. So she has some problems with kickers. She's like, you got one job, kick the ball, do it well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so what, if you were going to give them some sage advice on, on football, what would you tell them? Listen, I, I coached the O-line in youth football, right? My son was. Oh, pound ground to get ground. So <laughs> I would tell you that the game of football is one on the line, both the offensive line and the defensive line. And whoever wins that battle wins the game. So we call that the trenches, Manny. In so the trenches. The big guys, explain, you know, like, the okay, big guys the that line, run into each other, mm-hmm. you know, the big guys that run into each other, that's the line. That's what he's talking about. There. Uh, okay. That's where all the, the main violence happens. 
<laughs> yeah, the eye poking and the snot bubbles and stuff like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, man. You are not wrong. Nope. Nope. Cool. Well, you coach too. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, coached. And then, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of being a charity champion. I think every business owner and business professional needs to be a charity champion. Find a charity you love and integrate it into your story of what you do and how you help. For me, uh, my wife and I are both with Big Brothers, Big Sisters. She was actually oh, the it. big of the year last year for Arizona. And so, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time to make a big difference. So a little time can make a big difference. Be a big that's real. That's, oh, look at that. You got the line down and everything. I I'm was an a, ambassador I, for him too. So, you know, I, I, get the I was a big brother for a while okay. when I was in college. Yeah. 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 I, uh, and I worked for boys and girls clubs uh, when I was nice. in college too. That's That's what I went to school for was nonprofit administration. So I did that for, awesome. for the boy scouts, but, but uh, now I'm doing this. So it but feels right. good to make a difference. So go yeah, make absolutely. a difference. And here's the thing, business uh, consumers want to know, what you do and what you care about. 94% of consumers say they want to understand how your business is making a difference in the community. So tell the yep. story. Yep, That's a really good point. I'm glad that's you shared good, that. Yeah. I'm glad I you like shared it, that. Yeah. I love it in fact. Yeah. So let's wrap things up a little bit here. Um, we'd love to keep you for hours on end. I wish we could, but want to talk a little bit. We got the holidays coming on today. We're recording on Halloween. Uh, yeah. This is going to air on Friday, so a few few days after. We got staff running around like dressed up as llamas and stuff like that today. But yeah. <laughs> nice. so, what's your favorite fall to winter holiday? We've got you know we've got Halloween, we've got Thanksgiving coming up. Obviously, Christmas is a big one. Um, what do you like the most, and why? Yeah, I mean, I got to go to Christmas for a couple of reasons. What re- number one, as a kid, it was the most incredible holiday, right? Just to be right. able to sit there and. <laughs> be in anticipation. You couldn't sleep all Christmas Eve because you couldn't wait to open up the the presents. But, you know, Jesus is the real present. So that's right. That's the the real answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Trying to keep the kids grounded on that is, is the right, is the key. So absolutely. Well, that's, that's fantastic. So what do you, what do you, what do you typically, do you guys typically do for Christmas? Do you stay down where it's warm? Do you have family or go back home, back up Northwest or? Yeah. So m- mom's moved down here. I do have my, uh, my 31 year old son actually works for us at HOA.com. He's back in Oregon now, but we go between here and my wife's sister lives in San Diego. So either way, it's going to be warm. We're either in Phoenix or San Diego. <laughs> I was going to say, you could go up to like Flagstaff and maybe get some snow during the winter time Bro, or something. Flagstaff right? gets cold. My son played one year of college football up at NAU in Flagstaff. Yeah. And uh, he's like, dad, I don't like it. It's too cold. I want to go to ASU <laughs> where the girls are half naked. I mean, <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I know. it. That's yeah. Yeah, a little bit different when you play in the frozen tundra. I play. Well, and, and also being a college athlete is takes yeah. a huge toll. You know, when you're on your body, oh, when you're at workouts five days a week at 6 a.m., Right when all your buddies are sleeping in, going to 10 a.m. classes. Oh yeah, I remember in college when I was a freshman uh, during the off season. It was winter time. It was, and when you're a freshman, you had to do the early workouts. So it was 5 a.m. Get up, head on over to the to the weight room, and go go for two and a half hours. And then you couldn't even walk up the stairs to get to your 8 a.m. class. It was it's not just the athletes. You know, even the coach and the support staff they have to be there, right? Oh yeah, they have to be there too. I remember showing up five minutes late once, and another guy did. And we had to spend the next half an hour doing sit-ups, chained like our elbows, like chained together, like doing sit-ups together. And this Ooh. is a big dude, and he ran out of energy quick. And I was like pulling him up; it was brutal. But 
That's what happens when you're late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, hey, Brandon, this has been really fun. This has been great. Love the wisdom you shared. We're going to apply it. We are. We're going to get that book. We're going to read some more into it. And uh, we're going we're gonna to use referrals and we're going to explode. I love it. And, and take action. Not just you guys, but everybody listening. Action is the key. I have so many people that I that I know in business and they tell me all the time, oh, I've been thinking about doing that. I've been thinking about doing this. Just take action. Even yeah. if you're wrong, the action you take will lead you closer to the goals that you desire. Oh, yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. All right, my friend, you have a good one. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here at the Business Line Podcast. <laughs>